what, what were you doing in Norway? Well, for a break. Never been to Oslo. Never been to Copenhagen. And I've always fancied going. So I decided this was the right time to go before the schools, you know, break up for the summer holidays. It'd be a lot cheaper. And also I had a lot of credit in the bank because Emma's been away numerous times since she said I could go away. Oh, that bank. The bank of <laughs> the bank of um uh marital passes out. Yeah, wow, yeah. And was it was it a pass well, you know, well used? Was it was it a was it a good one? Was it as good as you expected? What was it like? Given the oh, be? Uh, yeah, I believe this is called a workation now. And the fact that I work for myself, I am I have the ability to to work from anywhere I want with a laptop rather than, you know, tax reasons or getting employment sort of like you know go ahead to go and work in a different country so yeah i uh i was a workation whereby i you know wandered around in the morning visited some wonderful coffee shops in oslo um you know looked at the sites the attractions did some work obviously dealing with the u.s a lot of the time so you know a few meetings in the evenings which was fine in the hotel thoroughly enjoyable then i got the overnight ferry to copenhagen and i met a couple of friends and yes, plenty to report from a cycling front. I was about to say, t- yeah, talk us through how, how cycling was Copenhagen. Well, cycling was very good in Copenhagen, a very different vibe to cycling in London. I mean, it really is part of the whole culture and part of the whole vibe, part of the whole you know ethos of, of, of the city, I felt. People, they cycle round... More like in a pleasurable sort of like getting from A to B way as opposed to London where it's like, let's see how quick I can do these eight miles. You know, we hired bikes. I had like what I called the old Bentley. It's the coaster, you know, the coaster braking where you pedal backwards. Weighed quite a lot. Had my phone on the front, you know, um, little little, um, rack at the back and we just pootled along and took it easy and it was great I mean the the cycle paths there are like separate pavements you've got a pavement for the bike and a pavement for the pedestrians and the 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 road users to one of your points before they do respect you Matt there's no sort of fear that someone's going to cut you up or do anything dangerous they do completely respect the two wheels you know they don't they don't make any right turns or left turns in our case if there's a if they're cycles, they don't go near it. You know, there's no one kind of cut in or sneaking like London. You've got to slam on your brakes. They wait until all the cycles have gone, then they turn. So yeah, yeah. thoroughly enjoyable on the bike. We we hired a bike for three days. It was fun. The guy who was, who was renting them out was very relaxed. So, yeah, bring it back whenever you want. And have you ever done Copenhagen on a bike? Not on a bike, but I, I was. I've only been there once, and it was in the middle of winter. So um, although having said that. The bike lanes were clear and people were still cycling en masse. I mean, there was no sign that people were not cycling. It was quite heavy snow while um, while we were there, but it didn't seem to stop people cycling, which is uh, very different. I think Stu's right. I think it's a cultural thing um, because you know how if you're cycling along a shared bike and footpath, which maybe they don't also have in so much of in Copenhagen here and even if you're giving somebody a very wide berth they look at you as if you're going to plow straight into them because you're on a bike and um and I I just think that's sort of that cultural thing about feeling threatened by cyclists which isn't it just isn't the case in the Netherlands I think and uh and Copenhagen and Denmark 
I think this is the thing, isn't it? We've talked about this before. We can design our way to a better life, can't we? This is the thing. You know, we can design our way out of these issues and dedicated cycling infrastructure is the only way to go. And investing it year on investing in it year on year on year and things will change and it's a much nicer experience. So there we go. Well, really I should is. say really go is. on, Andy, sorry. No, it really is. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, London has changed a lot in that respect and those bits that have changed are a lot better. Exactly. And we've just got to keep going. So I should say you are listening to For the Love of Pog, a podcast mainly about Scandinavian cycling. No, it's not. Not about Scandinavian cycling. A podcast mainly about cycling. Now, uh, I, I'm just very quickly got so much to cram in. So I am here. Stu is here. And right. Andy is here. But well, Loz is not here. So loads to cram in about the tour. Now, look, stage three was the last time we did this and a lot of racing has happened. And we've even had the whole Hugh Edwards thing for six days as well. So a lot has happened in the world. Um, and the, I, I did think about this today, about where we could start. But after today's stage, stage six, 16, the time trial, I think that is the only place to start, isn't it? And Pog versus Ving. Or, now, we've called Ving... Uh, Vinegar Vineyard, we've given him that nickname, but surely now, I think this is Loz's idea, Ving the Merciless, because he was absolutely merciless today. Andy, take it away. What was he like today? It, absolutely, absolutely brutal. And his, um, I mean, it's a shame Loz isn't here because I was having an argument on WhatsApp with him about the um, <laughs> about what um, Pog could have done about it, both today and earlier in the race, because, you know, the gap is now probably too too it's too big probably to breach in the remaining four competitive stages but it, it it's um i just think he is he's in tip-top condition he's trained only for this predominantly only doing i think one stage race beforehand in the danish championships the national championships and then um you know and the pog has not only done this he's done the classic season and he's then had an accident and you, actually, the margins at this level are, are, are narrow and you know that's showing having said that 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 time trial was just i mean so head and shoulders above anybody else anybody else including I mean, wout it it was exactly i think you said it on uh we had this obviously whatsapp exchange about it you know pog beat everybody else smashed everybody else but then Ving just smashed him into smithereens. I mean, yeah. 22.4 kilometers, and he beats him by, was it a minute and 31? I mean, one and a half minutes yeah. over that distance is quite extraordinary. Stu, what do you make yeah. of it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I know the the WhatsApp spot was over, you know, whether Ving should have been more was it defensive, but I, I I think he played a blinder. I think the I think the team said, you win it, you win this today. You, you pretty much won the tour bar any sort of catastrophes. You know, he can sit back now and he can get the protection of his team like he's done throughout the whole tour. So he can just sit and observe, stick on the wheels. I think it's I think it's a done deal. I think fair dues to him. I mean, I think half of us, or maybe all of us, were thinking Pog might do something extraordinary today and pull something out of the bag, but it was the complete opposite. And let's face it, Skeletal did it. He absolutely smashed it. <laughs> he's the only one with three nicknames, so Skeletal. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so the so good they named him three times. I mean, it, it it was it was extraordinary, and I think I think the um, you know, for the for the the those are very amazing stages in the mountains over the past few days, and even some of the earlier ones. I think we've all been thinking, 
uh, it's been hard to read, hasn't it? Whether whether because Ving has always had the lead, albeit by a handful of seconds, whether he's just holding stuff back and all he has to do is sit on Pog's wheel, or whether you know um, at some point he would crack and it would be, you know, th- we don't make a secret of the fact on this podcast that we like Pog. Um, <laughs> it's fairly it's upfront. Um, so we were probably all hoping. It's on, it's on, it's on, on the, the door outside. It's on the front yeah, door. Right. <laughs> Come here if you like Pog, <laughs> or even maybe love him. But the the um, the the I think we were all hoping, weren't we, that the, there would be um, a big explosion from Pog on one of the stages, or he would, um, or he would, uh, you know, take the yellow jersey on the time trial. But it's pretty clear where it's been at, isn't it? From today, it's been a very, very strange one, hasn't it? I mean, since we since we spoke last, uh, Ving attacked and took took a, you know took some time off him, and then Pog responded, and then it's been sort of this sort of you know very tense sort of very close boxing match all the way through. And I think I think what worried me slightly, I mean, I never expected, I don't think anyone did, for Ving to take so much time today, sort of hoping that Pog would sort of uh, you know not lose any time to him, but over the last few stages. The worrying thing from Pog's perspective is that he's left, he's left his attacks to very late, going just to try and get a few seconds here and there. And you think, well, if he hasn't got the confidence to go long, or maybe he thinks he just can't, he can't drop him completely. That's been slightly worrying. But I actually thought he was not toying with him. He was thinking, okay, I'll keep him within 10 seconds and there's plenty of racing to go. So today, I must admit, shocked me a bit just how much time he lost yeah. in such a short space of time. I mean, I think the... Um, was it Carlton or Rob Hatch was saying 20 seconds? You look, Ving took 20 seconds out of Van Aert, Van Aert's time in the first five kilometers, which, which is just incredible. I don't think anyone was expecting that. So, is it, do you think, because he just hasn't raced, just not in his legs? And he was sort of, Pog was thinking, well, I've just hope I can ride myself into this tour. But the trouble is, Ving has got stronger as well, hasn't he? That's, that's the problem he's facing, really. I think, look, as we said at the start, they both did amazing time trials. It's just that Vings was ridiculous, whereby Pogs was 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 great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just for the interest for the race, though, I mean, there is some racing left to do. You know, do you think, what do you think Pops, Pogs' tactics might be? Does he go all in on a stage, try and go long? Does he, what, what, what would he do? I mean, what, what do UAE do here? Because, as you say, mm. Stu, um, Yuma Visma can sit back and think, okay, we'll just sit on wheels now. We haven't got to do anything. But what if you were UAE? What on earth would you, what would be suggesting here? I mean, Pog might think, look, it's not in my legs. I can't do it. Let's just go for second place. But if he has got something in the tank, what? how on earth would you approach the next four stages? Well, we- tomorrow, Wednesday's stage is the... Is the um... Is the is the biggest? There's over five thousand meters of climbing, and it's the Chima Copy, isn't it? It's the whatever they call it. It's the high, and it's the highest point the highest, of the race. I the think, isn't point, it? the Queen yeah. Stage, yeah. And it's um, there's lots of opportunity, but I think in the end, and and so how I now look back and read the tour so far is that Ving has always been the stronger of the two, um, and I think it's been hard to read until today, but now it's clear, um, and barring a collapse in his form or, you know, perhaps some uh, feeling the effects tomorrow of today um, is possible, but then Pog was flat out, I guess, as well. And it really puts me in mind, I mean, it's four stages sooner in the race, but it puts me in mind of Pog and Thomas in the Giro this year. And I remember, really clearly remember um, G saying after that, uh, after that stage, that he 
he did one of the best time trials he's ever done, and there was nothing else he could have done. So, I think you're right. It did remind it did remind me of that, and obviously that was the penultimate stage, wasn't it? Wasn't it the yeah. Giro? Do you think the way Ving attacked that today? Do you think that was he was feeling good and I'm going to take time, or he targeted that time trial? He was always going to go deep because he did go deep, didn't he? He went all in. He looked exhausted at the end. Pog looked ashen faced. I mean, he was really on the limit too. But do you do you think it was a case of I know I know I can have him and I'll go for it, or he targeted it in advance? I'm not so sure. I think he just seized the opportunity. Hmm. I don't think it was planned. I think he thought, you know what, I can do it here today because tomorrow's stage there's a lot of ifs and buts. As you know, anything anything could happen. You know, there could be crashes. There could be whatever. Today it's it's you versus yourself, isn't it? And he thought, you know what, we can probably win it today. In answer to your first question, what does the team do? It's difficult to say that because you just don't know how Pog, but also his teammates are feeling. They could be spent, they could be tired, and you know you've got to, you've got to know the answer to that question first before you can then formulate a plan of attack. And without knowing that, which we won't know, we just don't know. You, you know, you can't have someone in the you know in the team saying, right, tomorrow we're going to do this, and it's like, well, you haven't got the legs and the lungs for it. So it all depends on what they're thinking and feeling. It's a good point that, isn't it? Because Yates, although he's into third now, is is not going to win. There's too, just you can't win it. There's too much time to take back. So Pog is still Plan A, and it's still within reach. It's not as if it's five minutes, so it's still possible. But you're right, isn't it? When the team wakes up and thinks, "Well, can you do it, Pog? Have you got it? Really? Because we can, we can, we still work for you. But if you haven't got it, then what do we do? Do we go to stage wins or just protect the podium? It's a, becomes like you say, it becomes a very different race, and they won't really know it. I don't suppose until they wake up tomorrow morning and see how the, how the legs are, you know. Yeah. And I can't remember the time difference now between um, uh, between Yates and uh, Rodriguez because he's bumped Rodriguez down into fourth place. So Ineos will be working hard to get Rodrigos back on the podium. Um, so there is a defence of the podium place to be made, two podium places. But yeah. I still think, you know, unless Pog is... Unless that was Pog cracking, but it's a funny crack, isn't it? If he if he if he beat Wout Van Aert by a, a minute and fifteen seconds, um, regardless of you know they've all done a lot of work in this race, so I don't think that's much of a benchmark. Um, you know, there's um, I think it's vanishingly unlikely unless Pog says the team there, you know, that he's not going to be able to do it, that they won't try, and um, you know and. I think it would have been really exciting to go into those last four days, last four days of proper racing with um, with a narrow time gap again. But at least on this, on the, oh, maybe it's a bit too much, really. But you know, it's very, very unlikely to close around. You know, it's nearly two minutes. Very hard to close in the um, in a final four stages, two of which I think are pretty flat. But um, but there is some, um, you know, there's a free son of of opportunity and possibility whenever Pog's around. So. Yeah, the thing I'm the thing I'm hanging on to because I was kind of, I was a bit obviously ringed an amazing performance, and it's one of those things you might look back on in three or four years' time. I think, oh my God, that was an incredible show of strength and ability. Is that did he go so deep? Because as you say, Andy, although Wout is a bit of a weird one because he didn't need he was never going to win that time trial, but he went pretty pretty deep for it, um, and he beat him by over two <laughs> two minutes. Um, so. Did he, you know, that's the only thing I'm hanging on to. He might wake up and think, oh my goodness, I've gone. I've gone a bit too far there. 5,000 metres of climbing today. And you never know. Suddenly with 60k to go, you might feel absolutely awful. 
and uh, you know you can lose time really quickly. Now, that's all I'm hanging on for, really, because like you, I kind of wanted it to go all the way, almost to Paris. You know, neck and neck would have been an amazing finish, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen, really. Bing did look walloped, didn't he? I've never seen him. He was guzzling down the fluid. Yeah, he, he looked absolutely spent. So, we'll see. But he's going to have, you know, he works for he he now work he works for the best funded best resource team in the peloton. He's going to have every single possible um, fluid and piece of nutrition and every tactic possible in terms of rest and recuperation poured into him overnight. I mean, there is not going to be a single soul on this earth tonight that receives any better care in terms of sports recovery and recuperation is that i mean he is going to have absolute whatever the whatever the right parallel is not rolls royce because that means he'd be run over by it but he's going to have the absolute best isn't he i love this idea where are they tonight where did the time trial finish um i um, don't know this Where, where was it um it was it it was though back in um uh, not Courcheval because that's where the where it finishes tomorrow. They're back in the in the posh place. They're still up in the Alps. The posh place in the Alps. So I love the idea that tonight on the uh, what date is it today? On Tuesday, the eighteenth of July, Ving is the most cared for human being on the planet. On the planet, the most pampered person. <laughs> well, and the second on most the- is probably Pog, isn't it? Because basically, already there's a fl- there's a um, uh, there's a a jet has left the United Arab Emirates as we speak, full of additional <laughs> nutritional products just for Pog, isn't there? <sighs> oh dear. Well, I feel I feel like the the one um, problem with this podcast so far is that we've been far too competent. <laughs> we haven't really made any major screw up, have we? Over well, over, I didn't know. Over. I didn't know where the I didn't know where the stage finished. I remember the name that. of the place, but that's fairly minor. <laughs> You mean um, we started off well? That is, uh, it is worrying. We I, I think I got, the, well. <laughs> I got the time gap right. I think as well. Yeah. yeah it, so it, it, um, this is a time trial, though, isn't it? It could go horribly wrong. <laughs> we could, yeah. we could bonk at any point. That's the thing. Yeah. There's always, there's, if, you, if you haven't carbo loaded, there's always a chance for it to go, yeah. uh, go wrong. So talking of obviously Jumbo Visma, um, and uh, and Ving, obviously great performance. Wout, right? What's all Wout about this tour? Now, I probably should, I think that was what you're you're saying, Andy. Was I think it's a fair, it's a fair one because normally by this stage of a Tour de France, Wout has won a couple of stages. He's obviously been on the on in breaks and and uh, you know driven up mountains and things like that. But he, it's been a really odd tour for him. It, it seems to me. I'm not quite. He seems to be expending a lot of energy. But hasn't had that reward. Am I? Am I being unfair here? Is he just being obviously the super domestique that he is? But he hasn't been able to cash in on any of the hard work so far. It's just a bit unusual. What, what do you think with Wout's performance so far? It's. I think it's puzzling because um, it's 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 very Wout, but without a purpose. He hasn't managed to pull off a stage win, which he targeted in the early part of the race, and you know for various reasons didn't didn't manage it. He's not the fastest guy in the. In in the tour, he didn't manage to get in the right place in the right breakaways or sustain. And he's um, I don't know, I don't know what he thinks. Do you? He's he's sort of he's been in, incredibly wout at times and super impressive and the strongest guy 
on certain sections of certain stages, but it's just come to nothing, isn't it? I mean, apart from he's, he's obviously helped Ving, but even then he's been, um, you know, there's been some fairly spectacular blow-ups at certain points um, where he's kind of just dropped off the front like a stone. Well, he's done a lot of work, hasn't he? And he's been on he's been on telly loads. I mean, yeah, he's looked good as well. Looked good on telly. Always yeah. on telly. I, I was thinking of the week, well, the other day when I was watching. I don't know whether his seat's a little bit too low as well. <laughs> Maybe that. Oh, could... I'm obsessed with seat heights on bikes. Go on, that. talk me through it, Stu. Come on. Well, I just look at he's he's a big guy, isn't he? And he I don't know. I feel like his seat could be a little bit higher. No, what do I know? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Tell him, wow, and my team about his seat up. I look at it and go, could be like an inch higher that. You might get a little bit more efficiency out of him. I'm not saying that is the problem. I don't know, Andy. I just think he's he's put a lot of effort in. He's been unlucky. He's been close, hasn't he, on a couple of occasions. Yeah. He's been uh, close, but you know how he normally, can, you know, people always contesting sprints and he hasn't really contested any sprint yet. Now, I know, it. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a little bit of a lottery, isn't it? And he's, he's, you know, maybe that's not what he's gunning for, but normally he's there or thereabouts and, and, and normally has won a stage. But yesterday when he was doing the, not yesterday, on Sunday, when he and Soler, Mark Soler were off on, you know, almost trying to win the stage. And I thought, why are you doing all this work? You're not going to win this stage now. Uh, when 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 Wout Pauls went off and won, and you think why not just hold back? There's no need for you to go deep. It just seemed odd to me that he just he can't almost help himself by not riding hard all the time. And uh, yeah, I mean maybe he's thinking, well, we're towards the end of the tour now. Uh, Vinegard has done it. Uh, I can ride hard, and it's training for the World Championships or or future challenges later in the year. Maybe, maybe that's what it is, or saving himself for the Champs Elysees and win the sprint on on the final day. I, I don't know really, but uh, I, I mean, I love him. He's my obviously we love Pog. Obviously, we adore him. But I do love Wout Van Aert because he goes on all terrains, isn't he? He's the one, you know, he's in the classics, in the tours, can win a sprint on the Champs Elysees, can win on Ventoux. Um, and could do everything really. I mean, I just love him. Yeah, a bit of bit of bit of cross and gravel. Yeah, I mean, he's he's oh, he's exceptional, but um, but it's just not quite come off for him um, when he's wanted it to. And um, you know, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because we're in. It feels like we're kind of entering this phase of uh, Grand Tour racing where. And the and the and you know the the courses the route is designed around this as well, where there are two or three three or four riders, whether they all none of they we've not had a race yet where they've all been together, but two or three three or four riders who are exceptional and they're head and shoulders above everybody else, and also ideally suited to stage racing, um, or grand tours in fact, so stage racing over three weeks, whereas you know. Pidcock is an exceptional rider, but he isn't really suited to that. Um, well, more so and more adaptable, but he's not going to win a Grand Tour. Um, so it's it's quite hard. I don't know. Maybe it's quite hard to see where you fit in, because if you also don't have the freedom to go and chase stages, is Wout van Aert's future helping Vinger go and Roglic win races? Win I know it's a bizarre races? it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? Because he signed an extension to his contract. And you're right. I mean, he he wasn't that successful in the spring, was he? With the, the spring classics this year, um, obviously he does obviously the cyclocross as well. Um, but he's obviously his main focus seems to be 
helping, like you say, Ving out with winning the Tour de France every year. And it's a very bizarre place for him to be, really. And if he doesn't win a stage this time, because he's won a stage... Of course, I, I don't know this. I'm going to guess here that he's won a stage in the last three or four Tour de France. Um, but he, ten, he tends to. He tends to win at least a stage, doesn't he? And he has his own sort of... He carves out his own role. Whereas this time, he really does feel like super domestique. And maybe... I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe the team has decided we have to go all in for Ving in a way we haven't... We didn't do... We did. They did last year. Maybe this year we've got to be make sure we do leave no stone unturned, and maybe that maybe that's what they've decided to do. I don't know. I, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, you say, well, what, you know, what's going on with Val? But the reality is, it's been a big success for him, isn't it? If 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 Bing wins, that's his job done. And then all those little other things where he's got chances, you put that down to the multiple. Var- there's so many variables that come into to racing. You know, one of those little variables can just have an impact on you or someone just does something and that's what happens. There's so many riders, there's so many things going on. You know, it's just, it's just a small margins. But it has to be a successful tour for him if his team leader wins. Yes, I think it is. I think it is. Now, talking about um, riders for whom we don't know what their what their role is, you mentioned their Pidders, uh, Andy. Yes. Pidders, I mean, future and present of Pidders, really. We, we love we love Pidders. He's had a he's had a very strange tour. So it was showing himself as a, you know, in the, in the top ten and looking strong, and then all of a sudden he's not looked strong at all. And uh, in fact, I didn't even I didn't even clock how he did today. I presume he lost more time. But I um, yeah. What do we think about what do we think about about Pitters, Andy? Where are you on? I him? don't. I'd, I'd at this point love to be able to do a Brailsford or an Ellingworth impression because they're both from the East Midlands which is for my neck of the woods, but I can't conjure up the accent anymore. They both talk exactly the same as well. Um, well, being from the East Midlands yourself, exactly I'm same. sure you, say, you can't conjure it up. Surely it's there. Exactly, exactly the same turn. They have exactly the same turn of phrase. But I think what Rod Ellingworth said was that he's, you know, um, it's a voyage of discovery for him. He needs to find out whether he can do it or not. I mean, you kind of have to say on the strength of what we've seen that it's a not really. But then maybe you know, he can learn from this and um, look at dif- different elements of his racing. I mean, he's clearly not, you know, he's not the strongest climber. He's not a strong enough climber to be a GC yeah. contender. And um, and he can do lots of other things on those stages. He's, he's, he's always going to excel on those kind of classics type stages. Um, he's going to be there or thereabouts on the climbs. And obviously on some days he can do it. But I mean, not with the level of consistency that he needs to be um, higher up on GC. No, I, I agree, and I, I'm going to say this. And I think Loz, Loz feels that he can become one. We'll be shouting at this uh, this recording now. But I I agree with you. I don't think he can. So I think he in order well, in order to dedicate himself to become a GC rider and become a good enough climber, that would compromise all the other stuff that he does. So all the stuff in the in the spring and the stuff with the cyclocross, you've got to decide what you want to do. I, I think I think it'd have to change his body in the way that Wiggins did yeah. and became a, a different yeah. rider. And I'm not sure whether, A, he wants to do that and compromise all those other goals, or whether he's got it in him physically. I mean, I don't know. Stu, what, what do you think? I honestly don't know. I mean, I think this has got to be a learning exercise for him. It's got to be a bit of a voyage as well. I mean, he's talking about him eating the food and the, the stage of the day, didn't have energy. I mean, all those things, when you get to this level, 
you don't get them right, they can have a you know monumental effect on you, can't you? And then you know, one minute you're in your seventh, next minute you're fifteenth, whatever it is. So I, I Loz and I actually met him. Remember the the London Nocturne? It used to be around Smithfield Market, mm. the the sort yeah, of crit really. racing, and then they moved it to uh, around the city. And we went there on a it was a Saturday evening and went to what went to watch the racing and then went to where the sort of riders finished. And he'd I think he won that night. And we just was hanging around and they came through and we found ourselves chatting to him. Now, he's probably 17 at the time. He was riding for Wiggins mm. and we just sort of got talking to him about how the race was and all that sort of stuff. And no one was coming to get him. Right. So we just finished a bike race. So Loz and I literally the only people talking to him, no one else around him. And we thought at some point Wiggins team are going to sort of get him to go and do his recovery and all that sort of stuff. And they didn't. And we, I'm going to say we talked to him for sort of 10, 15 minutes and Firstly, uh, as a 17, 18 year old lad, an incredible physical specimen. He's quite small, but oh my God, he looked <laughs> looked amazing. But a really level headed guy. Now, we obviously didn't know us, but he talked to us. And I thought you could just see that he's destined for a fantastic career because the way he didn't know us at all, but was happy just to co- have a conversation with us. And, you know, and I'm telling the story now because he was a really nice guy. Yeah. And I am. Um, He's incredibly dedicated, uh, incredibly professional, and I'd love him just to concentrate on something and become the best rather than being pretty good at lots of things, really. Because I think he has, I just love him to choose something and be, I mean, I know he's great at at mountain biking, good at cyclocross, but to become the champion at something, I think would be amazing for him. Be interesting to see if he rides the worlds. That's the sort of race for him, though, isn't it? I, I, feel like he um well i think i think it was rod ellingworth or somebody else that said this as well earlier in the race was that he um he he's at that point that thomas was at at one point where he's got to decide which he's got to zoom in on one part of his game on what you know on one part of his racing um he needs to decide whether he wants to ride grand tours or be a mountain biking world champion and you know there's only one there's only one choice in my mind, but you know my feelings about anything that's not on a road. Um, but it's uh, it, it it feels like a no-brainer to me, partly because he's kind of won everything else really anyway. So he he um, he should do that. Um, and it's, I mean, I've no idea whether he would be successful if he did, but uh, it's definitely all there, isn't it? And the thing that I just can't watch enough is Pidcock downhill. It's just the most... Because sometimes, you know, when you see a a, a, a a rider going downhill and they're, you know, for one reason or another, they're racing, so they're right on the edge and it's hard to watch because you just think, oh, my God. With Pidcock, you don't stress when you're watching it because it's so beautiful and smooth. It's something else. He he is extraordinary going downhill. I mean, I think that's what I, when we watched the crit racing and watched him on you know a single speed bike going around very sharp corners and the bike handling skills was absolutely incredible for this you know 17, 18 years old. Here's a theory though for you, right? Given that Pidcock, I don't, I'm not saying they put him to the test to see if he could handle it and and look like a GC hopeful, but given there's mood music now about Remco being unsettled, I just wonder whether Ineos, although Rodriguez had done great. Whether they're just thinking, well, actually, who's our GC guy now? Bernal is on the comeback trail, but do they just break the bank and buy Remco? Because I still can't get over the fact that, you know, 
the I mean, if we think that Ving and uh, Pog are the big names in this race, Remco is the third person here, and he's not at the biggest race in the world. And I just find it stupid, really. I just find it. I mean, what of um, what's that? Sudel? What are they? What are they bloody called? Sudel. What's the name? Sudel Quickstep. Sudel yeah. Quickstep. I mean, yeah. I know they've had Jakobsen, but you know they've it's. They've got nothing in this race. I mean, Julian Allen Philip is nowhere. I just think with Remco, what are they waiting for? I I just don't get it. So what do we think? Ineos just swoop and, and buy him out of his contract. I don't know. Would that be a good move? Riding for a non-Belgian team. I don't know. I don't know if um I don't know if he's gonna to come to the team while uh Thomas is on it though, after his Thomas's nickname was uh was leaked in the Giro, wasn't it? So um That's true. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. I think he's Ineos needs something. Rodriguez is leaving, I believe. Oh, he's he off to Movie good. Star. That's right. Yeah. He's off to Movie Star, isn't he? He looks good. Um, he's leaving. Um, you know, he'd be a contender if it wasn't for you know. I mean, you have to take Pog and Ving out the game in order to weigh up anybody else, don't you? But he and Yates would be the two top GC contenders, wouldn't they? Otherwise, um, and. Um, Somebody else is leaving Ineos. I can't help but feel that being sponsored by a um, an oil, gas, and chemicals baron has never been never done them any favors, and they should just go back to being sponsored by, you know, admittedly a Murdoch company, but at least one that was relatively benign and had quite a strong commitment to climate change. Uh, yeah, I uh, well, we've never hidden our loathing for for Ineos and everything mm. it represents. Just for that typeface, if nothing else, I just yeah. cannot stand the logo. No, it's awful. Well, it's an awful kit, and also the um, I saw that round the corner from where I live, somebody has bought one of those Ineos Grenadiers. <gasps> oh, they're the well, the only person in Britain then, probably I should think. Well, wow. Yeah, well, I can't see the point in them really because it's like a it is basically like an old Land Rover. Um, and it's definitely the thing I was reflecting on is it's definitely built to outlast most species on the planet. <laughs> so I suppose the one the one other major thing, obviously, that's happened in the tour. It seems a long time ago now, and I'm I'm gonna was it stage six when obviously Cav Cav didn't win that sprint. Okay, and now I just got to describe. I don't know what you guys were doing. I'm obviously going to ask you in a second, but what I was doing watching that sprint where he. Looked like he was out of it. Then all of a sudden, he was in it. And then you saw him poking his head around the corner. And then suddenly with a kilometre to go, he's neatly placed. And then all of a sudden, he starts to attack. And there's 300 metres to go. And I'm out of my seat. And I'm shouting at the TV. I found myself just shouting at the TV, thinking, oh, my God, he's actually going to do it. And I couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden, in a flash, it was over. And I felt absolutely gutted for him. I just thought, this this is it, this is it, this is it. And then it wasn't. How do we feel? Obviously, we need to talk about him, go, him crashing out with a collarbone. But that sprint, how did you, how did you, Stu, how did you feel watching him thinking, is he going to do this? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was really exciting. Because at one point you thought, he's gone, he's out of this. He hasn't got the team to bring him back up. And he did, by hook or by crook, he got back there. And then he had an opportunity and he came through on the right and... And he was, he was, you think he's, he's going to get this. And what happened was he probably went about 50, 100 metres too soon. And, you know, maybe Phillips had got, allowed him to get on his wheel as well and come round it. It just went slightly wrong. We're talking about those margins again, those little variables. 
it was too soon or he was in the wrong position. But yeah, it all looked good, didn't it? Because he was there, he had the speed, he had the stealth. You know, he was he he, he sprung that attack, and it was great. But I think that the, the stage that came was it a few days later, Andy, when we were watching. I forget which one it was. Now we thought it was after he crashed out and broke his collarbone. But I remember watching, and you said the same thing. You said Cav, Cav would have won that. Just had his name on it. It just looked like his finish, and it was a shame because it's a shame for the whole story, really, isn't it? Because to go out in such an innocuous way, you didn't, didn't even see it on the camera, did we? It wasn't even caught on TV. Slow motion crash. I mean, you mentioned it, and isn't it? It's the most, what the innocuous ones where you just you know touch a wheels, you down, and then suddenly that's it, all game over. Yeah, I think it's um um it's a a bit like um our our cat fell off our balcony a few weeks ago and it's three stories and amazingly she survived and is absolutely fine and i read about this and subsequently read that cats can survive quite long falls but they're much less likely to survive a short fall because they don't i mean up to a point of course but but that's because they don't have time to prepare and i think when when cyclists crash again within reason um, when cyclists crash at speed and they know they're going down, they have time to prepare themselves. Whereas in 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 those sort of crashes, it's just there's no time. Bang, you're gone. And um, you know, you in this case, obviously, just his arm went out and the classic percussion fracture of the of the clavicle. But he's um, you know what? This opens up the possibility for them. You realise. <laughs> I, 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 you realise what I may what do. Can, what can now happen? <laughs> Talk us through it very slowly. Go on. <laughs> well, on on a on a in a moment of um, madness on a previous edition of this podcast, um, I. <laughs> I, I, I time travelled forward a year, and was claiming that the Tour de France finished in Nice this year on the uh, Promenade des Anglais in Nice, in nice where Nice Niceois stages tend to finish. And I was saying how um, you know it's got to be written in the stars that um, Cav wins his thirty um, fifth Tour de France stage on the Promenade des Anglais in Nice, and um, well, he's well. now got to come back and do it, isn't he? <laughs> it is. I mean, you're still. You're right. The story. It's just. It's just such a shame for it to for it to go that way. But isn't the talk that he that he is thinking about this? I, I obviously should have checked this, and I haven't checked it. But I think he's thinking about it, and there's going to be teams that might offer him a place to to do it. I don't know. Well, I've heard teams have said, "Yeah, he's welcome back. We'll offer him a place." But I've not. I I'll be honest. I've not heard or read anything from Cav himself. He's been. I think quite tight-lipped, unless Andy's going to prove me wrong now. Well, I mean, we can say the talk, can't we? The talk. Because it could be talked by anybody, <laughs> including I... us. We are talking about to... him coming back next year. So, therefore, there is talk of him coming back next year. <laughs> there is talk, but I think it's hope for everybody. They're talking it up. I think it'd be a pretty big ask. He decided this is year he's retiring. The pressure next year will be even greater. Who knows what physical state it'll be? It'll be 39 by that point. It's a big ask. I mean, uh, Rob McEwen actually kept on talking about on on on, on Eurosport about so no, there's only a five percent chance of him winning a stage. And I couldn't understand what he really meant. But when you watched him in the sprint, you thought, oh, I kind of get it now. You know, it's it's got to take that one moment to do it. 
And it's very hard, I think, fast forward another year to think, can you manufacture that one moment? So I'm not so sure. I'd put it as a 20% chance, really. I mean, the, the cruel, the, the, the cruelty from the, the, the state that he didn't win was if I've watched it back a few times and he's sprinting, sitting down. You know, Yakum's out of the saddle and Cav does amazingly well to stay with him because he has to sit down because his gears were slipping. You know, yeah. it was slipping and he had to, he couldn't do it. And that was, you know, just cruelty really thinking he had to sit down to make sure his, his gears didn't slip. And I think you're right, Stu. I think he, he went that 50 metres too soon. But I think there's a little bit of surprise in his face thinking, oh my God, I've got this opportunity. It almost looked like that. Oh my God, I might win this. I might actually win it. And when he went full gas, then his gears went because he yeah. didn't have that chance to go again. And it's so, and maybe that might fire him up thinking, I would have had that. So all my energy will be for one last go. And do you know what? If he doesn't win it next year, it doesn't matter. He still won the most stages, just happened to be alongside Eddie Merckx. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if he isn't the all-time winner anyway. He's still got the record. So I don't know. I think going again, I think if he had a chance, I mean, you, you know, you retire for a long time. If he had a chance to go, he probably would. But I don't think he's going to make that de- that decision anytime soon. I wouldn't have thought too soon. I think my dad always used to say retire at the top, and you could say, well, he, you know, he is at the top. There's been so many occasions where he could have won another one over the years. He's crashed so many times. You know, this is going to keep on happening, and I just think as you get another year older, how old is he going to be next year? Thirty eight, thirty nine. I think it'll be next year. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a big ass, that isn't it? Um, you know, and imagine he does get through a tour but doesn't win it. Then it's like, well, that's that's the last tour that he does, and that's a little bit, a little bit of a leg, not his legacy, but it's another little chapter to it. By this one, he can go. He's he's, he's equal the record. He got very unlucky. That's the way it goes. Yes, you could argue even more disappointing to leave empty-handed next year. Whereas this time it was going out almost in glory, thinking, you know, okay, I got, I crashed, I had my chance. It was a, there's a story there. Yeah. But next year, you know, not to get anywhere near and to, to not go out and to not win might be a, a worse ending, really. I mean, he's had an incredible career. He's just amazing to watch. And I think I've said this before whenever he's in the sprint, I take more of an interest. It's more of an exciting race when he's in it. It's incredible. That's the his legacy, really. It's astonishing that even if you think he hasn't got a chance to win it, I'm looking for him, listening for his name all the time, thinking, where is he? And watching him, taking notes of what he's doing. I just think he's he's fascinating. And he's going to have, whenever he retires, I think a brilliant post-racing career as well. He's got so much to offer for everybody, really. I think the fact that he's not a big German or a big Dutch guy um, and that he's, a, he's, a, he's not a huge guy at all. And he's, you know, this lad from the Isle of Man who's... You know, quite rough around the edges as well. You know, he's, he's, he makes no secret of the fact that he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's an emotional guy. It'd be very, very. He leaves a very big hole actually in the in the peloton, which is I'm sure some people won't see it like that because I'm sure he can be a pain in the neck as well. But he, it's a, it is a, is a big character to be leaving the sport. I really hope he does another. Well, actually, do I? I think your dad's probably right, Stu. Yeah, and also. We talk about this tour and you know what happened. But I'd love to go back through the uh, the records and see how many how many finishes where he didn't win, but he came off or something happened. He was that close, you know. I bet there's probably about at least another ten or fifteen where he, you know, he was almost there. Number one, he got taken out in the final 
the final five miles. And he, you know, I mean, he was in his peak of his career. He's going to win this. It was suited to him, but a big crash happened and he got caught up with it. Again, that is one of those things that probably happened multiple times to him. So you've been so many. What I'm saying is there was plenty of opportunities. Which, I don't you know, know what his record is. I wonder how many second places. I should just be yeah, that. How many times he came second? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll do some research for that, Matt, next time. <laughs> how many almost rounds or second places or things that happened to him that would have given him that one more victory? And at the time, you didn't realise. You didn't realise that's the one he was missing. Don't do any research. Our, our, American, our American listener can just write in and correct us. Can I? Is it our American, American listener? We've got? Yes. Um, well, chaps, that was a, a very, um, I'm going to say, sort of uh, serious episode in a sense. I mean, we've got most things right, I think. I'm not sure whether there was anything, you know, that we got horrendously wrong. I'm sure, uh, as you say, Andy, our, our American listener will uh, will correct us if, uh, if we're wrong. But... Uh, should we leave it there? Should we call it a day? Actually, the only right. small bit of... <laughs> <laughs> the small bit of unfinished business. Come and this on. is going back to the only mistake I think we made, um, which is that the time trial today finished in Combleu, but the rest day yesterday and the start tomorrow is in Saint-Gervais-de-Mont-Blanc. And those are our, uh, and that's quite a, a posh place in uh, ski resort in uh, near Mont Blanc, as the name suggests. <laughs> so that's where they are. Um, and I just thought it was probably worth setting the record straight, just so that nobody can tell us we don't do our research, even if we might be doing it while we're speaking. It's going to set a live corrections corner. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So, uh, so, so, should we definitely call it a day now, then, chaps? Yeah. Bye 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 bye.